Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning to the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of
our heart cries be magnified oh in this your holy temple in this your holy place and we will rise to Zion high to praise and glorify unify Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we worship. Oh, Lord. Oh, how we love you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, how we worship. Oh, Lord, our heart cries, be magnified, oh, in this your holy temple, and this your holy place, and we will rise to Zion high, to praise and glorify. Unify, oh, how we love you, oh, how we praise you, oh, how we worship, oh, Lord, oh, we love you, yes, we praise you, oh, how we worship, oh,
Amen. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, choir. Will you pray with me, please? The words of preparation, which are printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, if you were around in the 70s, especially if you were a kid like I was, there was a figure who walked around in flashy leather jumpsuits who had at least some of your attention. No, it wasn't Elvis. Anyone got an idea who I'm talking about? It was Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel, first name spelled E-V-E-L, because he wanted to make sure everybody knew he was not a bad guy. But Evil Knievel performed death-defying jumps on his motorcycle, just, uh, it just all over the country. One, one of them, he cleared 19 cars and landed cleanly. Anybody remember seeing this on like ABC World? Yes. Okay, lots of folks. And then, and then, then do you remember the, the Snake River Canyon jump? Yeah, in Idaho, he had a rocket-fueled motorcycle. And on this jump, he had a parachute, but right after he took off, the parachute deployed. <laughs> so he's like descending 300 feet into this canyon, but the parachute's just holding him and he landed right on the bank, wow. uh, the bank closest to the, you know, the ledge where he had jumped. And he said um, if, he ha if he had landed in the water, he would have died because the vest that was holding him uh, wouldn't, wouldn't also malfunctioned and wouldn't come off. So, um, and he only had a few injuries with that, with that jump. So this was his own flashy 70s brand of the leap of faith. Now, in just about every group of kids in those days, at least one person had an evil Knievel action figure. And I remember the kids in my neighborhood lining up ramps and obstacles to try some of our own challenging jumps with our bikes and our skateboards. I had a new red, white, and blue. Of course it was red, white, and blue because everything was red, white, and blue That's in, the, you know, in those days at the bicentennial a new red, white, and blue bicycle with a blue banana seat. Yep, yep, yep. And I won it in a Sears coloring contest. <laughs> and I tried a few of the ramp jumps on my bike. And I, I don't remember exactly how or even if I landed them. But I'm still here. <laughs> so what was it that fascinated us about Evil Knievel? Was it seeing someone who continually snatched life out of the jaws of death? Or was it seeing someone who so fully believed that the impossible was possible? Or was it witnessing someone who truly seemed to have no fear? Well, as our scripture opens this morning, it is very 
early in the morning, and Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and possibly even other women, are taking spices to the tomb where Jesus has been laid. This in itself is an act of courage and a leap of faith. Jesus' death had been brutal and gruesome. And the message connected with it was clear. Do not align yourself with this man. He is outside the bounds of safety. And if you are not careful, something terrible like this could happen to you. And the burial places on the edge of Jerusalem were not the quiet, peaceful cemeteries of today. You know, our cemeteries, especially some close to here, are, are some of the favorite places for members in our congregations to walk. Um, but that was not the case then. They, these were desperate, lawless places where robbers frequented. And yet Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, went. Not out of curiosity or tempting fate as my friends and I approached some of our jumps, but out of sorrow and need and homage. No matter what had been done to him and what they had seen, they loved him. And there was no denying for them what they had experienced when he was with them. The soaring freedom when you leap, the assurance of what is hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. They wanted to be with him. And so they walked when it was still dark as the choir sang to us this morning, passing Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he was crucified, to the place where he had been buried. And then even more courageously, when they found the stone rolled away from the entrance to the tomb, they entered. It seems like they were bravely prepared to face anything they could have rationally expected. But when they encountered two incomprehensible gleaming figures dazzling in their energy, they were, according to the text, frightened. It's interesting to me that it was this that frightened them. And then the two electrified figures say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember what he said to you? That he would be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And hearing this message, this proclamation, and seeing clearly the empty tomb, they leapt. Maybe not literally, but figuratively, and more importantly, collectively. Together, they took a leap of faith and knew in their hearts and their bodies that what these figures had said, what Jesus himself had said, was true. He is not dead. He is risen. These women, of course, were the first witnesses to the resurrection. But perhaps just as significant, they were witnesses to each other's witnessing of the resurrection. And not only that morning, but throughout their time with Jesus, they witnessed 
the change in each other and witnessed in the transformation of so many. The power and the authority of Jesus. The way he was able to bring healing to the sick, to set persons enslaved in body or mind free, and literally bring the dead back to life. They had been witnesses already to Jesus' salvific ministry. They'd, They'd seen what he could do all along, each time requiring of them as witnesses to leap in faith, to accept the message and the messenger. They needed not just to put aside skepticism or confusion, but to engage what it would mean if what they were witnessing was actually true. What does it mean when salvation is free? What does it mean when you see demonstrated that transformation is possible? And what claim does it place on our lives, on the lives of the one who accepts and internalizes in body what we have witnessed? For the Marys... And for Joanna, there were lots of little leaps along the way. They took them, and they witnessed others taking them too. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? You, you, amen, amen. You've heard this phrase shouted uh, maybe by a, a preacher as part of the sermon. It's often part of the tradition of African-American Preaching, if you were at Easter Hill on Friday for the seven last words service, you heard, can I get a witness? And it means, can someone corroborate the truth of what I'm saying? Can you join me in proclaiming that what I'm saying is true? Together, let's do this. I'm feeling the spirit. Are you feeling it too? But it also means, are you with me in this unbelievable, irrational journey with the risen Lord? Will you hold my hand as I jump? Or will you watch as I jump and then tell the story? Sometimes I wonder when we watched that, when we watched Evil Knievel, part of of what we were enjoying was just saying, oh my gosh, oh my God, I can't believe it, together. Are we leaping together? There's so much that happens in our lives that frankly is unbelievable. I told a story this morning at the sunrise service of something that has happened to me in my life that was an experience, a real experience of the risen Christ. And after the service, so many of us stood around and and shared our own experiences of, of seeing, of experiencing in, in bodily form, the risen Christ. And, you know, there, we may imagine that our days are largely predictable. You know, you wake up in the morning and you, you think you have an idea of what's going to happen. But, but really, each day, there are miracles. Some of these thrill us, like the sunrise we experienced this morning at the Berkeley Marina the sun rising at exactly the right moment. And some of these miracles grant us relief and peace 
like healing after an illness or reconciliation in a challenging relationship, even if it's just a momentary reconciliation, it feels like a, a miracle. Or some of these grant us peace and hope when we think we're not going to, to feel better in spirit. We're low or depressed, um, but we do. And some of these miracles reinforce our faith in ultimate liberation for all people, like the two Justins this week, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, who testified to life and refused the dead tomb of gun violence when they would not stop speaking in the Tennessee State House this week. In all of this, the highs of beauty and reconciliation and the sorrows of loss and brokenness, we are witnesses to the courage, leaps, and life in each other. A friend of mine, actually, is Debbie, Reverend Debbie Weatherspoon, who is coming to be our pastor here at Epworth uh, in July. She and I were, were watching what was happening in the Tennessee State House together. We weren't together, but we were, you know, watching on our separate computers and texting. And um, she says, those young men are products of the church. <laughs> we are witnesses to each other. For those of us who follow the risen Lord, no matter what happens, we know in the words of 14th century mystic Julian of Norwich, all shall, we, all shall be well. And all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. How do we know this? Because even after all Jesus suffered and endured, he lives. He lives among us. This is not a platitude, but a radical assertion of faith. Julian the mystic was in touch with resurrection on a daily basis, and she wrote, for I saw no wrath except on humanity's side, and God forgives that in us. For wrath is nothing else but in opposition to peace and to love. And she wrote that God sees us as perfect and waits for the day when human souls take the leap into the gift of love and life and energy that God gives. God in Christ beckons us to resurrection showing us that brokenness will no longer hinder us and that God is nearer to us than our own souls. In the scene from today's scripture, we might think that the biggest leap that the women are taking is to believe in the message that the dazzling figures give, that Jesus is risen. But I don't think that's actually a big leap. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joanna, they've been leaping throughout their walk with Jesus. Their legs are strong now. When these celestial beings say, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again, they did remember. And perhaps this news that Jesus had been raised from the dead seemed to them not shocking, but when they remembered actually consistent with all they'd experienced all along. Life, presence, love, 
miracles. Maybe the bigger leap for Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joanna, was to recognize these electrified beings, the thing that actually frightened them, according to the scripture, these electrified beings sitting in a tomb were nothing to fear, but just one more part of what they had experienced all along with Jesus. Maybe the bigger leap for the Marys and Joanna was not the message itself, but accepting these new messengers, the risen Christ now manifesting in new ways. And so now, more than 2,000 years later, I know you know the message. I know you know it. Throughout the Lenten season, in small groups, based on our common experience of parenting or confronting the pernicious sin of racism or seeking a fuller expression of welcome in our congregation, we've shared what has caused our spirits to soar. We've shared what the risen Christ and what resurrection feels like and what it's looked like in our lives and through the ministry of this congregation, and we've wept too. I know you know the message. We've experienced the risen Christ. And throughout this series of Leap of Faith, we've wrestled with doubt and confusion. We've reveled in exultation. We've walked the highs of hosannas and the lows of betrayal and all of that we have found resurrection. Uh, you keep leaping and you've learned the message. You've shared the message. The question for today is, are we ready for the leap when the messenger comes to us in unexpected forms? People we don't know, places we haven't been, things we don't expect, maybe even scare us. Are we ready to witness the risen Christ? And then are we ready to corroborate, to leap together, to say, yes, what you're experiencing is true. I can see it. I feel it also. Are we ready? Dear ones, keep leaping. Keep gathering those buddies who will build ramps with you and help you to soar through the air knowing that all shall be well and all is well. Christ will keep showing up to us in unexpected forms. Receive the messenger. Receive the risen Christ. And bear witness to what you have seen and known and lived. He is not here. He has been raised. Hallelujah. Amen.
Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.